What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Penny on her essay, How Coronavirus is Feeding Us Toward Transparency. If you missed the previous episode, number 168, you might want to go listen to that first as it's the whole first half of the essay. And today we're going to get into topics like the stock market, how money is like a child and responds to our inner energy blueprint, how to find and reconnect with your home frequency, and making the most of business and career lulls when you're ready. Don't forget, Penny is going to be our special guest on the next Pivot Insider call coming right up on April 8th. If you want to join for a live Q&A with her and me on Zoom, visit pivotmethod.com slash insider to support the show. And your generous contributions are also what keep the Pivot podcast running. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here listening. Now over to Penny to continue yesterday's conversation. It may seem that life is going down the drain, but beneath the surface, the universal laws still function in compassionate ways. We're still able to materialize our reality based on what frequency we place our attention on and what frequency we match and what kind of thoughts and feelings we consistently entertain. You know, that is a universal principle. There are as many possible realities as ever before. And nothing holds you back from creating one except your own negative thinking or your own contraction into that fear. So creativity is only curtailed by thinking about what isn't or what can't be. And that's so true, because when we think about what isn't or what can't be, I even talk about this in Pivot, it doesn't move anything forward. There's no ideas that get generated from that. It's a sinking. It's a stop. It's a period at the end of a sentence. That's right. And and I heard um, Mario Cuomo say the other morning on the news that he's talking to a, a man who was totally in panic and talking a lot of good things to him and the man couldn't hear him. And he said, when you're in panic, you can't hear things. And I thought that is so true. You know, when we go into that contracted stone like, <laughs> you know, place, all of our senses shut down and, you know, we're just running on adrenaline and going around and around in circles, repeating the same negative statements, you know, and nothing can move forward. I'll just speak for myself. I'll say there is a strong pull I notice every day. It's almost like every day there's a test that says, are you going to go down that path? Are you going to get worried? <laughs> are you going to get anxious? And then every day I have to kind of do the work again to remind myself or some new thing happens. And I think I'm ready to just blame the circumstance or my anxiety on something, I just want somewhere to put it, you know, and then I have to say, okay, well, it's like, there's this balance of letting letting ourselves have a moment, and sort of accept what's happening and not try to be so optimistic, right from the jump. But then finding that place of acceptance to get to creativity, to get to well, okay, this is John Oliver said it on his uh, last week tonight, he said, All right, everybody, 
I'm going to set a timer. You all get 30 seconds to complain and whine about whatever <laughs> it is that you can't do now because of coronavirus. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> and I keep remembering that. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I already have my 30 seconds, but maybe we get 30 seconds a day to just pout <laughs> and say, give me a little bit more. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Now this is messed up or now this isn't happening. <laughs> but I really did smile when I got to this part of the essay. And you said the universal laws still function in compassionate ways. That really made me smile. It really resonated as deeply true. I would love to hear you talk, Penny, about what some of those compassionate ways are. And also remind people, how do they know what their home frequency is? Because we all resonate on a different frequency. So how can they know when they are in that high vibration state? Yeah, well, you know, the universal laws are just based, I think, on the way spirit actually works, how it works in the unified field of of consciousness and energy. And there are, you know, everything is interconnected. There's no sense of separation. There's a sense that each one of us is an individual, and we're also connected at a higher frequency to larger and larger groupings of souls. So, you know, I'm an individual now, but I have like a soul group that I work with, like, you know, when I meditate or write or if and then maybe that soul group is connected to other soul groups as we go up the sometimes I picture it as a cone, you know, that goes out and out and out and out um, that we keep including more and more beings into our personal sense of self. And at some point, it becomes such a unified kind of collective mind and a collective heart and a collective being that there's no limit to anything anything you need to know somebody knows it and will give it to you nothing works against you in that higher level everything works for evolution you know so that's what i mean by compassion all you have to do is place attention on a particular set of variables that you can pull off the shelf in the imaginal realm, put it together, and it's like baking cookies. You get a certain you know, recipe, and you get a certain result. You pick a few variables off the shelf, and you can make a reality out of it. And that is the way it works. If you want to create a terrible, awful reality where you, you're isolated like the ego, and you're not able to connect with anyone, and it feels dangerous, well, okay, you got it. <laughs> we made that one. Now we can make another one by not participating and taking attention out of the the heavy duty reality and power we've given the the pandemic reality. Um, and I think that we will learn that. You know that is part of what we're doing here. Um, and you know your home frequency is. Like I said before, it's that frequency or vibration of when you really like yourself, when you are feeling like you're golden, like life is working like a charm, you know, and things are helping you. And then you feel generous. And there's just a lot of flow and a lot of light. Um, it's, it's like your favorite state. <laughs> I love that description. Have you seen the movie 500 Days of Summer? Yes. Okay. Remember the opening scene where she's in her cute, she always has the best dresses and all the birds are chirping and they're dancing and they're walking down the street. The birds are landing on everybody's shoulder. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> kind of. It's so joyful and delightful. 
And I, I think of home frequency for me, I, I, we did a future self exercise in uh, coach training back in 2008. And the word, the name of my future self that came to me was harmony. So for <laughs> me, home frequency also feels like harmony. I'm, I'm resonating mm-hmm. with myself and with the flow that, as you said, it's like you like yourself or life is flowing. It feels exciting and hopeful and and the ability to be really present as well. There's something about home frequency that's authentic so that even if you are making difficult choices, it's grounded in our own, my own way of making those choices. Yes. And that's partly because you're so interconnected with all other beings that you have this kind of assistance in knowing what's the most accurate next step is. You know, people are helping us evolve easily. They're not trying to make things difficult for us. They're trying to make it effortless for us. You know, wow, what a change, huh? There are two things you've taught me that I'll never forget. I mean, so many more. But one of them is that when you ask a question, the answer arrives at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like packaged with it. And that intuition acts on a need to know in the moment basis. That at the moment, you do need to know what one next step to take, you'll be shown. But it doesn't happen much sooner than that. Yeah, it would be inefficient. You know what's crazy on that level, coronavirus related? I've been procrastinating on canceling all my flights. I just, ah, when am I going to call? The wait times are going to be so long. I have so many flights to cancel. I was just delaying it. Then I woke up today and Delta, the airline that they were all booked with, said, Given all the craziness with coronavirus and our helplines are so long, we're waiving all cancellation fees from this <laughs> point forward. I thought to myself, well, there it is. And if anything, my husband, Michael, teaches me this as well because he likes to save things till the last minute. But there are often cases where in saving things like canceling the flights, it kind of ends up working out. Today was the day I was going to cancel anyway. And they just email saying, blanket, they're waiving <laughs> all the fees. So it worked out. Yes. Let's That's move on. like oh, being okay. in the flow. Okay, go ahead, move on. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, Michael's really taught me this. It was on episode 127 that we did together, and he does not believe in procrastination. He thinks that if you are not yet jumping to action, it's because you're still absorbing information or you're still reflecting and that it's valuable time that one is not in action. And I just always appreciate that perspective too. That I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah it's, there's always a good reason why we do things. Yeah, and how much better is that than beating ourselves up for not being so hyperproductive <laughs> or that there's some unseen reason why the energy isn't there? And talk about going with the flow. Maybe the flow of your energy is saying, not right now. Just don't want to do this right now. Yes. Next part of the essay. So what about the virus-related panic in the stock market? What about not being able to earn your salary? That's pretty darn real. Yes, this fear contraction is happening, but we don't have to add to the contraction with more panic and dire predictions. Remember, the stock market runs on greed and fear, and that is an artifact of the old linear reality of the ego. The ego grants money great power. To have it reinforces ego as the true identity. It makes us dominators. Not having it makes us victims. But the soul-based reality doesn't experience limitation or one-upmanship. It doesn't say money is about survival and success. 
It's just a measure of energy and flow. Now, I love this part. I love that you are (laughs) even relating the virus-related panic to the stock market and that you address that's pretty real. There are a lot of people who have been laid off or their work is frozen and their work and livelihood is so in limbo right now. That feels very real. And I could put myself in their shoes and be pretty angry if someone told me, oh, that's, I know you're not saying this, but if I interpret Mm -hmm. it as, oh, that's in your imagination or just focus on what's possible. Well, I just got laid off and we're in the middle of like the the biggest recession of our time that's about to hit. And um, what did they call it in the paper today? The doom loop, you know? (laughs) So what about those people that the, the fear contraction is happening and they are directly and immediately impacted in a way that feels to threaten their very survival? How do they respond to these very real shifts that are happening in the market and the marketplace and and try to keep their vibration high while very real contraction is happening? It's, it's so hard when the physical reality is um, extremely dramatic for you to be able to pause for a moment and go down inside that reality back into the spiritual one, into the non-physical one, and just feel that perfect sense of, of you're getting what you need, everything is fine, there's all kinds of paths forward. You know, you don't have to add more worry and contraction and energy to what's going on. Just stop for a minute and relax because Nobody's saying that your family's not going to be able to eat. Nobody's saying that you won't be able to find another job or go back to the job you had or start your own business or whatever. Um, just don't start creating it by thinking in in such a negative, limiting way. You know, so uh, when I looked at the stock market and saw my own accounts and I was like, that first view, I was like shocked beyond belief. And I talked to my sister who also was shocked beyond belief. And she said, Penny, just look away. (laughs) I had to laugh, you know, okay, just look away for now. Uh, Don't saturate into, you know, this great adrenaline filled tragedy of everything because things can bounce back. And I don't think anybody wants this this stock market to continue. Everybody wants to make it happen so that it'll turn around and quickly get back on track. I have a feeling that it's not going to linger forever and ever, that it's going to recover faster than ever. But when you're in the middle of it, just have to stay in the present moment, you know, and, and get out of your left brain, get out of the, um, you know, the negative declarative statements and the what ifs, the negative what ifs, what, you know, and <laughs> right then I was about to say, well, what if, <laughs> <laughs> but, but truly, what if someone is not being negative, they're not being overly anxious or, or riding that adrenaline, but they're literally looking at their bank account and then they look at the rent due in a week and they're just, they just say, fact, I don't have it. It's not there. Mm-hmm. And I just got laid off. What does that person do? Either you just ride it out and say, look, a lot of people are in this state. I'm just, we're all in it together. We'll wait and see what kind of forgiveness or what kind of options are going to be given to us. Or you say, I'm going to have a lemonade stand out in front of the house (laughs) or whatever. 
I'm just going to think of another way to bring in opportunities or food or money. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's bartering with other people. There are creative ways to move forward. There are so many programs being talked about now, and it goes very state by state and at the federal level, uh, rent relief, mortgage relief, tax, they just postpone the tax deadline to July instead of April. So there are things that are unfolding every day, because I think that's one of the odd effects of the whole planet being involved, (laughs) is that it's kind of hard to look the other way. Yes. You say in the next paragraph, today in the end days of the old industrial and information age realities, we misunderstand money. In the inner realms, money is like a loving child. It is an obedient entity that follows our direction without question. If we love it and welcome it, it stays with us and loves us back. If we give it generously to others and allow it freedom and fluidity, more comes to us. If we hoard and try to control it, we are sure to lose it eventually, because the underlying belief we hold that acts as our instruction to money's flow is that we never have enough. Again, it's a materialization of our inner energy blueprint. And I love this piece. Money is like a loving child. I've never heard that (laughs) except from you. How so? (laughs) I don't know. I think it's, um, it's just, it's a loving force that it, and it obey, it's an energetic uh, force that it, 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 if you love it and it truly love it, not just, I love it because I want to have a lot of it, but if you just appreciate it for what it is and love it, it'll love you back. You know, and if you, whatever you want it to do, if you want it to go leave your bank account and go buy something, it'll go go there. If, it, if you want to give it to somebody else, it'll go there. That's if true. you want some to come and be with you, it'll it'll come and be with you. But if you hoard it, which is, you know, and try to control it again, this is ego. It's, it's almost, that's not the real idea. The real idea is the underlying idea that I have to hoard it because I never have enough. I, no one loves me enough to let me have it. And so it won't stay with you. Mm. Even I'm not worthy. I'm not there yet. I'm not enough. Fill in. Right. Good enough. Yes. Smart enough. Mm-hmm aggressive enough, you know, it'd be easy to tell stories about money. I'm just reading a book about negotiation for an interview that I have coming up on the podcast. And she says, you got to be yourself. You can't try to be someone else when you're negotiating. You have to believe in yourself and believe in your self-worth while not trying to think, oh, I need to be so aggressive in order to be good at negotiation. Mm -hmm. That would be an old way. And I especially love thinking about money as a child. It's that we are money's guardian. And money doesn't really have, I mean, it has a mind of its own in a way, but also we are its guardian. And if we love it and we are generous, it does attract all kinds of things. I've just noticed the days I'm in a good mood, talk about home frequency, and I'm smiling and I'm kind and I'm friendly. I get all kinds of crazy perks. Like, I don't know how (laughs) Michael laughs at me because it's like, oh, I just got an upgrade. Oh, I just got a free ice cream. Oh, they just (laughs) poured me a second glass of my mimosa, you know, and he's always laughing like only you. But I think it's that non-attachment and the trying to stay in that high frequency or delightful place, playful place with money, because it is just energy. And the more fear 
an attachment that we put onto it, that's a lot of pressure. It's kind of like I could see if money were a kid or a teenager be like, mom, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It, you don't make it easy for money to come to you. Right. And it, right. it is so subtle how it comes out in our voice and our language. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I, I, Oof, if there's one thing you learn as an entrepreneur, it's like the broader market of clients can smell your fear. And it's like, in mm. times of abundance and non-attachment and flow, things come in, just like you said, Penny, at the start of the year for you, they come in and, and then there'll, there'll be times, I mean, I've, I've tried to pay attention to this for a while, but whenever I really wanted a client, it's like, that's not a good place to be in, really. It's good to be excited, but not overly Attached. Right. I think it's good to notice that you're ready to have more clients. You know, because I notice I'll get overwhelmed and some part of me is like, I think, you know, enough already. And then the phone stops ringing. But it's because inside, I, I really just said, I'm ready for space. And then when I've had enough space, I start to think I'm ready for stuff, <laughs> you know, right. and then things come, people come, you know, and uh, I think we just need to notice which part of the cycle we're in. Like, okay, I'm ready for people. Uh huh. And I'm going to relax now and open up the doors and let it let it come in again. You know, and then no, I'm ready for some quiet time. I'm going to shut that down a bit for a little while. And nothing's permanent. And what I found really interesting is it's not always in the order that we just described. Sometimes all my speaking gigs slow down and nothing's on the calendar. And then I go, whoa, what is this? I must be meant to do something differently right now. And I learned that that's the only way to stay sane in the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And I, I learned that, oh, I don't know what this is yet. But weirdly, my calendar just cleared itself for three or four months. <laughs> yes. And certainly yes. that's all happening for everybody right now. But it's happened to me in the past where I go, how odd. I must be meant to do something. And in 2019, it was restructure all my business systems and how the team operates. And now, holy cow, am I so glad that we're so much more efficient because, and that we put all these systems and structures in place because we really need it. It's 2020 and the sky is falling. And thank yeah. goodness we put all that attention on our internal yeah. systems last year. Yeah. And for me, it's often, it's time to write a new book. Yes, that you too. Know, like ideas are starting to come in and I can't be distracted with other things. And I need to grab these ideas and get them onto paper, you know. And so that's often where the clearing happens beforehand. So yeah, you know, you have to trust that whole thing. Um, Let me read the next part. You say money copies our inner energy blueprint. Do we operate in trust and compassion or with distrust and selfishness? Do we allow it to serve us? Do we accept that gains may come as we live in a state of being where luck and generosity seem natural and losses may occur when our minds have been fixated on being critical or that life is unfair or that we might be destitute in the future? Perhaps we simply haven't loved or used the gift of our money's presence fully enough so it becomes unconscious and fades away. So, as the stock market crashes with fear, validating the scarcity reality, shall we agree? Shall we crash too? Weep and moan and wail? Or can we simply, calmly focus our attention on what we do have, how life is working, how troughs turn into crests, and the flow always corrects itself, because that is a universal law. 
up, down, up, down, and on and on. Stay the course. Don't stop the flow with panic and drama or try to outwit it with cleverness. <laughs> right. Again, back to the choice, right? What would be um, cleverness in this situation? What, what would you think is a sort of... Oh, it's like, oh, I should sell all my holdings now before it gets worse. You know, like these people in the government got informed early. Um, well, maybe you have a lot of capital gains that way. <laughs> you know, maybe right. it's... Uh, there's an opportunity coming later. You know, cleverness is let's think our way out of it, right? With, uh -huh. with left brain methodologies, you know. So again, there's a message here in all of this. Uh, when everything is seeming like it's crashing and so forth, uh, you can think of this. You are actually fine. You are alive. Life is working. Nature is working. Under the chaos is a peaceful, wise place. Go there. Stop time. In each moment, there is an action that is both a solution to a problem and a step into a new creation. That's interesting, I think. In each moment, there is an action that is both a solution to a problem and a step into a new creation. Do the next productive thing. Keep your eyes peeled. Not to avoid more negativity, but to be informed of what your next joyful, purposeful act is. I love the piece that you read twice, so that in each moment there is an action that is both a solution to a problem and a step in a new creation. And I love how simple this is. Do the next productive thing. So you're not saying sit like a lump and just wait for this to be over. You're saying do- Or to get the whole answer- you know, right. that goes off into the future about, yes. you know, forever. I'm, I'm always yeah. telling people when I speak at companies, back in the good old day when I had speaking gigs, I would say, uh, don't try to solve your pivot up front. Nobody can do that. You can't know the answer. And I always say that the whole pivot method ends up at what can you try? It ends up at a bunch of small <laughs> experiments because you cannot solve your pivot. And for the managers, I tell them, do not try to solve somebody's career conversation. It's the wrong approach that instead of solving, it's about exploring. And I love how you say, keep your eyes peeled and to be informed of what your next joyful, purposeful act is. Just the notion that this time, which can feel scary and somber, that there is a next joyful, purposeful act. I think that is really uplifting and something that if people can find that joy, that light, the cracks within the dark, that's where the way forward is. Exactly. Next theme in the essay, you say it's interesting too how coronavirus brings up the issue of isolation and group interaction. The old consciousness sees this as an either or situation. Either we have to be quarantined and alone, or commuting in groups could kill you. Both options seem to be punishments and deprive us of freedom. The new consciousness, on the other hand, sees this as win-win. I isolate myself to care for myself and to care for others. We serve each other by serving ourselves in a compassionate manner first. Others make the world safer for me by practicing safety measures. Yeah, you know, and the ego it is the isolated reality, right? You know, ego, if it gets in groups, it's threatened. You know, so it often needs to create this superiority in order to stay isolated from others. 
so it can't be affected or watered down. You know, and I think we have that same kind of thing happening with, you know, the epidemic that, you know, we have these choices. And yet we're we're doing both and now. We're taking care of ourselves and others at the same time. So that's the new perception. Yes. And I think, you know, there is a message in this too that, and I wrote this, the, um, this is not a foreign invader, as we're being told quite often in the news here. It is a shared invader. It is the catalyst for a human process of globalization of care, calmness, and compassion. It teaches us that we need each other, that we are intricately connected with each other and with everything we touch. We share the air. We breathe each other's breaths. We begin to respect the existence and power of unseen things. You know, here's this tiny little thing, you know, that we can't see that it has great power over the world at this moment. Mm. You know, and so what other unseen things are there that we might benefit from, for instance? You know, what a great question and a great point. But it, look at this microscopic thing that has so much power and is affecting how things are unfolding. And then to look at other phenomenon, and it's it's like because this is a virus and it can be studied in a lab, and people can create vaccines. We give it credit, we give it credence, and we believe it. But it could just as easily be frequency, consciousness, yes, the holographic universe that you talk about in frequency, <laughs> perception. I mean, your latest book, Penny, was transparency. And it's just crazy how, I mean, I love this essay, how coronavirus is speeding us toward transparency. But there's something there about, you know, we've had conversations even on the show about how opaque systems just aren't going to hold up. And I don't know, I wonder how transparency yeah. comes in directly here, because of course, the virus is invisible, but maybe it's like the ultimately transparent. <laughs> ultimate well, first of all, it's introducing a lot of people to the reality that there is a reality, you know, that is quite real, that's underneath the physical one. And then there's a reality under the virus that is part of the non-physical reality. So the virus is, you know, so small, we can't see it with a naked eye, we can see it with a microscope, but behind the spread of it, or the even existence of it, is an inner energy blueprint. If we can change things there, at that core level, with the, the it's almost like the DNA, if we can change the core pattern, it will change the form. That's why as we pull fear out of our collective mind, you know, and start to put put attention into creativity and peace and all these other things, um, we're going to drain it of energy and it will dissolve away eventually. And through that, it's taking great cooperation. So you can see how people and politicians who resist what's happening, resist the flow, it actually delays that process, and then worsens it, essentially. So now you see people cooperating. And there was even the, an article in the New York Times about the dissenters, the ones that say, I don't care if I get Corona, I get Corona, so be it. But it's not about that. It's about caring for others. And 
doing this, as you said, in that last piece that you read, it's as much for ourselves and self-isolating as it is for the greater good and for the community. Right. And if people who don't care about it, I heard some interviews with bikers here during bike week in Florida about, well, nobody gets out of here alive. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. yeah. And, and what about your parents? What about your grandparents? You know, don't you care? It's another ego thing in mm-hmm. a way, this isolated individual. I can do whatever I want. In the next part, you say, and so we are quarantined. We are to stay home, distance from others, and avoid social gatherings, perhaps even to ration our toilet paper. Goodness, use less? What are we to do with these forced timeouts and cabin fever? Haven't we been trying to meditate and practice mindfulness? Haven't we wanted time to just be? And aren't we terribly distracted with social activity, work, family responsibilities, and watching YouTube videos? (laughs) really you know the the other message here then comes is like hey be quiet you've got the opportunity now get centered stop matching the crazy frequency of the virus and potential losses and raise your vibration to that refined state that you know as inner beauty when i read these see if you can feel what that is if inner beauty these are states of being profound satisfaction ecstatic appreciation, gleeful creativity, and even diaphanous love. These are tactile states that you can slide into, and they are very refined. And that's a choice, too. You can go back into that crazy, you know, anxiety vibe of the virus. It's a, it's a frenetic thing. Or you can move into these other states. How would you describe diaphanous love? Diaphanous feels to me like somebody shaking silk in the air. You know, (laughs) it's such a soft, almost permeable. um, It's a state of just, wow. I don't, you know, (laughs) um, that it, it, it penetrates you so easily. It it just opens you up. It's like almost a swoon or something. Um, when you go into that kind of feeling state, uh, it's, it's a very high state. Hmm. In the next part, you say, and what about all the neglected parts of yourself, your inner artist, gardener, writer, cook, reader of great books, hungry student or master organizer? What about your inner dreamer? Some say viruses are like seeds. They can lie inert for long periods until they come in contact with something truly alive. In this case, a nice, juicy, wet mucous membrane. I wonder if we aren't similar, resting in our semi-dead beliefs and dulling habits, waiting for something life-giving to brush past. We're waiting for the touch of the soul, though, to light us up and set us to expanding. Imagine yourself touched by the light right now. Activate your new life and expand gleefully. So beautifully said. And and how funny to say expand gleefully while we're physically limited into our homes. Restricted, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then we can expand energetically because of that, because we're not running around from meetings and place to place and social gatherings. And you did a meditation back when you were in New York last. And I'll never forget it. You said, gather yourself. Bring all the parts of yourself that you sent out to those meetings and errands and phone calls 
You've like projected yourself into a hundred places over the course of this day. Bring them all back here now. Well, it is funny how this whole thing is just filled with ironies. Right. You know, like like it it's like it seems constrictive, but really it's expansive. You know, <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I say next to the, this. I, this phrase has been coming to me again and again. It's like they say, perhaps you know the saying, praise Allah, but tie your camel to the post, you know? Or yes, let's let's say that the divine is all going to take care of it and we can just trust totally and give ourselves over to it, but also, you know, wash your hands. You know, <laughs> let's, I say, let's work in both worlds. Don't ignore or minimize either one. Wash your hands, clean your body and environment, don't touch your face, protect your airways when necessary, strengthen your immune system, stay away from crowds and follow protocols, protect your loved ones and elders by advocating healthy practices, but then at the same time, work in the non-physical reality. Find your home frequency, your soul in the body state, that feeling you have when life is beautiful and working like a charm, and stay in it. Express your best stuff. Don't backslide into panic, depression, blame, or criticism. And if you do, correct yourself quickly. Don't unconsciously reinforce negative beliefs about life. Don't add to suffering. Proceed as if you are lucky and creative and loved and supported by others, seen and unseen. I love that piece. Proceed as if you are lucky and creative <laughs> and loved and supported by others, seen and unseen. That is so beautiful. You also say, make it your job to lift people up rather than keep them subdued and on the verge of hopelessness. We are headed for transparency in a transparent <laughs> energy body, a transparent emotional body, and a transparent mental body. No virus can attach itself. No mental viruses can brainwash you. No emotional viruses can manipulate your mood. And no physical viruses can trick your immune system. Yeah, when I wrote that, that just came out of nowhere. But it, you know, it makes sense because when you're really transparent, you know, there's no fear for anything to hook onto. Mm. No, nothing to get a rise out of you or a reactionary thing out of you. And so that reality of um, invading viruses or invading bacteria or anything that invades you, um, it just doesn't even exist. Because fear doesn't exist in, in the spiritual reality. It's writers agreeing you know, with you. And so what I happens? I don't know if you can that, hear him barking. Yeah, he's agreeing. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, he's agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> But that's true. Yeah. I, I even think about the term energy vampires and the times I've been most susceptible, let's say. I didn't have clear, I don't know, I don't want to say boundaries because I know even that word, you don't technically wouldn't use that word. But there's a certain groundedness or home frequency that things don't attach in that same way if you don't match them with fear. Or, I'm not saying this very articulately. But well, yeah, no, I think what partly you're getting at is that you can't think about life as that you're keeping something out. Right. Because then you believe in this split between inside and outside world and that the outside world is huge and and dangerous and bigger than you. And, you know, it's hard to protect your tiny little self from it. But when you go into the inner reality, 
there's no line between the energy in your body, the energy of the air, and the energy of the tree or the wall or the chair. It's all energy that that vibrates. You know, so the idea of having a boundary is like an imaginary line between you and this supposed outside world. So I, I've stopped trying to think about boundaries, but instead there is presence, right? You're just filling your field with your home frequency or with your preferred state, and you're giving a vibrational frequency to your field for this moment, let's say. And the next moment it could get higher if you want, you know, what it can adapt and evolve. But so the frequency itself actually, I think, allows things to materialize out of the field. So if you stabilize at your higher frequency and your home frequency, you get things that are of that same vibration. And you know, you get people that are that way, that start to support you. You get opportunities that allow you to express more of yourself and so forth. And I think you it helps to suppress um, uh, illnesses. Like there's not a, why would you have a reason to be sick if there's no emotional thing attached to it? I know it's, you know? it's like for the first time people are being told, you got to take care of your immune system rest, sleep, work out, wash your hands, all these things. It's like people are given permission to put that front and center right now mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that it wasn't true before because the potential consequences of getting sick can be quite extreme for some people. So the instruction yes. now is, wow, take care of yourself. How revolutionary. We should be doing this anyway, but our at least <laughs> in the US, like this sort of capitalist right. factory system doesn't tend to prioritize that. Well, and you know, the immune system is a function of the thymus gland and of the heart. So as you take care of your immune system, it also is all about caring for your own heart, you know, and that has an emotional component. You know, it, it's a, a function of spirit in the body. So it all ties together. Don't you wonder what the sea change would be, could be, might be of people who experience working from home and actually don't want to go back to the way things were. I, I do right. wonder about that because I think some people are going to be just itching to get back to the office. They love everything about it. They love their commute. They love the office. Love, love, love it. But I just wonder what percentage of people are going to say, oh, I have tasted freedom. I have tasted life on the other side. I don't want that anymore. That's not for me. Yes. Or there's some hybrid approach that wouldn't have they wouldn't have had the felt experience of it previously to this yeah i i feel that and I'm, i've had the sense that this whole thing is like a deep dive into the sea right you know and that we're swimming underwater swimming swimming and then we surface and as we do something has been washed off the surface of us you know like some sticky substance or something that we're clean and that feeling of emerging out of this phase is life-changing. It's not just like, oh, well, back to normal, the old normal. Everybody's using that phrase, the new normal. Now, I'm not right. sure they know what it means yet. <laughs> but I get this feeling that people are going to feel different. Like they, they may feel like, okay, I'm, 
I can go back to work now. And then they think about going back to work and they think, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore. Or I don't want to have to relate to those people in the same way I used to relate to them. Maybe while you're in the the process of hibernating here, you get an idea for a business that you could start with a friend or some kind of project, you know. Um, And so it starts you off on an expanded self-expression cycle. You know, I think a lot of people are going to have these kinds of insights and so forth. Um, I say here at the end kind of is that perhaps the coronavirus has come to help us see through our own ego-based behaviors and identity to cut through illusions rapidly. You know, cycles may repeat a few times, but the track we're on is an expanding spiral. So with each pass, we get improvement. Contractions always release and expand again. So if we can stay in trust and stay in the flow, minute by minute, noticing what we need to notice, you know, this is going to be an amazing thing. When we come back together to celebrate the passing of this phase, we are going to be more of ourselves and so much more respectful and loving to each other. So I I end by saying that this is such an important world event with such promise of clarity. But truly, you know, Jenny, I just, I feel like we've talked about this, you know, how um, so many surprise insights might be coming out of it. And again, it's the irony of it not actually being what we think it is. Right. I keep thinking about that too. I even think about some of the people who are dying from it. You know, I'm Mm. not poo-pooing this at all but it might be that the way people die or the experience they have as they pass through that shift is going to be very altering for them or clearing for them Mm. you know who knows Um, I hate to think of these things as anything as really negative Right. Because, of course, I believe in reincarnation, <laughs> you know, and yeah, that we all communicate exactly with, what we need. Yeah. And that we have physical life and non-physical life. And, and we, we don't really ever die. You know, we're just working at different frequencies of ourselves. Hmm. Right. It, it, it depends on one's relationship to death and what you think happens and your ability to communicate with family members after they pass through the human realm. I love that you use the the ocean metaphor, the sea, because I keep thinking about certainly during times of massive upheaval, I've always been fascinated by blessings in disguise. And I see this as a time a giant tsunami is sort of crashing on our shore. But when the tide rolls back out, there's going to be a lot of stuff on the beach, you know, some trash (laughs) and some treasure. So we're going to sort through it. There's going to be a lot of cleanup to do. A lot of businesses that have to just completely restructure and rethink things. A lot of lives, a lot of people, families, kids. I mean, and then there's going to be so much treasure. We just don't even know what it is yet. It's yeah. It's it's sort of like you look at the trash and think, do we want this? Right. Let's redesign this. You know, let's make improvements suddenly. Like let's get back to business, but do it in a way where there's huge amounts of improvement and one, one, you know, solving many problems with one solution and being more efficient and effective. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. 
And as you said, that actually, if we all asked for, let's get the most powerful start to the new decade, let's start it on the right foot, (laughs) we would have never anticipated what is happening right now. But there's no doubt, there's no question that we're all going to emerge changed with new insights. And as you say, a promise of clarity. Yes. Penny, thank you so, so much. I I can't wait to hear listeners what you think, what questions, thoughts, feedback. Again, you can always leave us a voice memo, quick one at pivotmethod.com slash ask. And you can catch up on past episodes if if this sounded way out of left field, but not the left brain, then uh, <laughs> then welcome to Penny World. It's such a delightful place to be. And you'll understand if you listen to the previous episodes a lot more of these concepts. Uh, so I encourage you go to pivotmethod.com slash PJ show. And don't forget, Penny will be joining us on April 8th for the Pivot Insider monthly Q&A call. So if you want to join us for that and ask questions live in real time, go to pivotmethod.com slash insider. So Penny, I'll throw it over to you. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing um, as we wrap up and and Thank you so much, by the way, for doing this and for sharing your essay with all of us and for writing it and just thinking the way that you do. It's so needed right now. It's like oxygen. Oh, thank you. I guess I had said something to you about how I feel in some moments that this is all over already, that we have surfaced out of it, that things are changing, that we look back on it. I almost feel myself in the future or in this other higher frequency reality already. And I'm looking back and just seeing how we got through it, how everybody individually pitched in and got through it um, and made their choices and got their results from their choices. Um, And I feel like when I'm in that place of seeing how it's over, it's like, that's why I feel like um, ecstatic almost. (laughs) <laughs> which is again so, so weird cool. yeah but anyway yeah i get that vision so wow i love it and i love the idea of all of us what would that be like imagine go to the place where this is over go to the place where you're through the hardest part of it and 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 imagine into that even if it doesn't feel like that's what's here right now because i can sense what you're saying penny there's a part of me that knows it's going to be okay and to connect to that and create that and, li- and feel into it, that at that realm, that place does exist. It's just not, we're not there yet. We haven't caught up yet. Yeah. Yeah, it, it exists. Amazing. Penny so. Pierce, thank you so much. Thank you for being you and for being here My and privilege having this conversation. to be with you. <laughs> Me <laughs> really, too. Truly. Me too. <laughs> thank you so much. And I can't wait to do another one soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice-monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, 
then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always? <laughs>